As I've said before, the Democratic Party in the U.S. is singing the Who song, Won't Get Fooled Again. For the last couple of decades, it seems to me that when Democrats are in charge, they keep trying to get things done in a bipartisan manner by watering down legislation, only to have it barely pass or even fail, because not a single Republican will vote for it, and some moderate Democrats may not vote for it either. Then, when Republicans take charge, they pass whatever they damn well please. Welcome to episode 92 of Diary of a Senior Geek, recorded on Sunday, March 14th, 2021, at 1410 hours U.S. Pacific Time. That's 2.10 in the afternoon. I started my new anti-anxiety meds this week, but they haven't completely kicked in yet, so I might be slightly less unhinged than I was last week. Not that I was all that unhinged last week. And, as you've probably already noticed, I'm experimenting with multi-track recording, adding some music. So, let's get to it. As usual, let's get started with some news and opinion. I don't watch the news! Democrats in the House and Senate passed the American Rescue Plan without a single Republican vote this week. This $1.9 trillion stimulus an anti-poverty package has already put $4,200 in this family's checking account. If you're set up for a direct deposit for IRS refunds, you probably already have $1,400 for everyone over 18 in your household, assuming you live in the United States. The bill also provides funds for COVID vaccine distribution and testing, extends federal unemployment subsidies until September 6th, by which time I firmly expect to have started working again, provides emergency aid to Americans to cover back rent and mortgage payments so that people can stay in their houses. It also increases the child tax credit from $2,000 to $3,000, actually $3,600 for children under the age of six, and increases the earned income tax credit. Economists say this will cut child poverty in the United States by about half. I think that's a good thing. It provides more than $360 billion in emergency funding for state, local, territorial, and tribal governments so that they don't have to lay off public workers like police and uh, firefighters due to funding shortfalls caused by the pandemic. And these are just the high points. Everyone in this country should see positive effects from this bill almost immediately. There's a link in the show notes to a White House webpage with more details. It'll be interesting to see how Republican House representatives and senators try to explain to their constituents why they voted against it the next time they're up for re-election. By the time I get this published, uh, about 20% or more of adults in the United States will have received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine. President Biden promised to have 100 million shots in arms by the end of his first 100 days. It actually took about 51 days. I received my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine on March 8th because I'm old. The vaccination rate is approaching 3 million per day. Currently, the country's on track to have every adult in the United States vaccinated by around the end of June. There's a lot going on right now, and a lot of it is good, and I don't even know how to deal with that. (laughs) I don't even know how to process that anymore. I don't have the right neurons. In the meantime, it's too early to let our guard down. Italy's tightening restrictions on public gatherings amid a new wave of COVID infections, and that could still happen here before everyone's vaccinated, so we still need to be careful. In further news, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has been accused of sexual misconduct by at least seven women. 
There's an impeachment investigation starting in the New York Assembly. Evidence has been provided to law enforcement for a criminal investigation, and many top Democrats are calling for Cuomo to resign. As I understand it, the Cuomos are a very powerful family in New York, but currently things aren't looking good for the governor. A Florida man, who just happened to be president of the United States not that long ago, is facing several criminal charges in New York State and Georgia. His first national security advisor, who pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI in federal court twice and then tried to rescind those guilty pleas, and was then pardoned by the Florida man, is now facing military charges for accepting money from and acting as an agent for a foreign country without reporting it. In the meantime, the Florida man is feuding with the Republican Party he supposedly heads, demanding that his supporters send donations directly to his super PAC instead of to the party. Given the rules for super PACs, he can use that money any way he wants. It looks to me like he may need it for legal representation. I hope his attorneys get their money up front. He's notorious for not paying, well, anyone he owes money to. The city of Minneapolis, Minnesota has reached a $27 million statement with the family of George Floyd, the unarmed man who was allegedly murdered by a police officer who kept his knee on Floyd's neck for over eight minutes after Floyd had been accused of attempting to use a counterfeit $20 bill to purchase cigarettes. Not exactly a capital offense. As I understand it, I legally have to say allegedly because the police officer, Derek Chauvin, has not been tried and convicted of the crime, which was captured on cell phone video from multiple angles. It's been reported that this is the largest pretrial settlement ever for this type of wrongful death suit. Jury selection for Chauvin's murder trial has just started. I'll keep you posted. And the military in Myanmar continues killing their own citizens who are protesting the illegal military coup that happened in their country last month. They appear to be trying to wear down the protesters and it doesn't seem to be working. And I noticed that it's, this is actually, what, a month in, over a month in, finally starting to show up on the third or fourth page of the LA Times, uh, which is interesting because uh, this, this is pretty hairy stuff going on over there. But it's not in the United States or Southern California, so what do we care? War in Mozambique has driven more than half a million people from their homes in the last 12 months. They're running from roving gangs of Islamist fighters armed with machetes who like to cut people's heads off. Food is scarce and people are getting hungry. And finally, a rich, overprivileged couple were interviewed on TV by a rich, overprivileged celebrity so that they could complain that some other rich, overprivileged people in the United Kingdom were being mean to them. Meanwhile, somewhere in sub-Saharan Africa, a dung beetle is rolling his ball of dung, completely unaware of all this. I envy him. Okay, enough of that. As I've said before, the Democratic Party in the U.S. is singing the Who song, Won't Get Fooled Again. For the last couple of decades, it seems to me that when Democrats are in charge, they keep trying to get things done in a bipartisan manner by watering down legislation, only to have it barely pass or even fail, because not a single Republican will vote for it, and some moderate Democrats may not vote for it either. Then... When Republicans take charge, they pass whatever they damn well please. Blow a hole in the budget by cutting taxes for corporations and the rich? Sure. Spend money like drunken sailors on the military, corporate welfare, and unfunded liabilities? For instance, George W. Bush's Medicare prescription plan? Why not? Suppress votes for minorities and the poor? Give us more of that. 
After all, if they're allowed to vote, they might vote for Democrats, and we can't have that. I say no more. We won't get fooled again. In previous episodes, I've mentioned Ezra Klein's book, Why We're Polarized. It's a good book, and you should read it. There's a link to it in the show notes. Klein outlines some ways we might be able to move towards a less polarized society towards the end. I won't spoil it for you. But at this particular moment, I don't much care about reconciling the polarization in this country. I want Democrats to win. In my view, the polarization we're seeing now first started in the 1960s during the Civil Rights Movement. Privileged white people liked things just the way they were and saw no reason to give up any of their privilege. They thought, and I believe a lot of them still think, that by leveling the playing field so that everyone had the same opportunities, their lives would be negatively affected. As if society is a zero-sum game and the only way to win is to make sure others lose. But, again, in my opinion, this is not the case. If, for instance, society can be reformed so that folks with darker skin don't fear for their lives every time they're pulled over by law enforcement or just walk down the street or go jogging through a white neighborhood, everyone will benefit from the reduction in fear. Fear leads to hate and anger, as Yoda said. And we've seen where that leads. If everyone, no matter what their skin tone is, where they're from, their spiritual belief, gender preference, or sexual orientation, or whatever, can play on a level playing field, then everyone, including what is rapidly becoming the white minority, will benefit. Can you imagine how the economy would improve if every child had an opportunity for a good education in public schools? If everyone had better than adequate housing, access to good nutritious food, and safe neighborhoods to grow up in? This is not something that can be fixed overnight. I struggle with my privilege all the time. No, just because that guy coming up the sidewalk is six foot eight and black doesn't mean he's likely to beat me up and take my money. But it's kind of ingrained in my consciousness. And to most white Americans, it's the same way. It's completely unconscious. We don't even realize when we are, quote, being white. It's ingrained, as I said. Listen to the lyrics of the song You've Got to Be Carefully Taught from the Broadway show and movie South Pacific and realize that these lyrics were written in the mid-50s. There's a link to the song in the show notes. We've come a long way since the 50s and we have a long way to go before we have a truly free and equal society. But just because it's likely to take generations to undo the damage of generations of white privilege and systemic racism in this country doesn't mean it's hopeless and there's nothing to be done. This is why I'm sick of Republican foot-dragging. This nation needs to be dragged into the society envisioned by our forefathers, kicking and screaming if need be. And yes, I know that our forefathers only had white Christian male landowners in mind when they said that they believed in inalienable rights and that all men are created equal. But they were a product of their time. We now know that all women and men are truly created equal and have inalienable rights that include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as it says in the Declaration of Independence. Maybe we should add access to decent housing, education equality, employment equality, and health care to those inalienable rights. So, we need to continue the work of transforming our society to meet that standard. The Republican Party has made their position clear. My suspicion is that it, that's going to be to their detriment, as has happened in the state of California. In California, the Republican Party has become kind of a joke. It has very little power, which is probably not all that healthy. Democrats, progressives, liberals, 
need a loyal opposition. So I hope the Republican Party can get their act together and start actually acting as a loyal opposition in the state of California. It all hinges on the economy. It seems obvious to me that a large consumer class with money to spend will automatically improve the economy. Call it bubble-up economics. Trickle-down sure hasn't worked. So, in this brief period, while Democrats have slim control of both legislative houses and the White House, let's pass a really big infrastructure bill to create jobs and fix bridges, roads, airports, water supply systems, electrical grids, and anything else that needs fixing over the next 10 years or so. Let's add a voluntary public option to the Affordable Care Act so that folks can opt into a Medicare-style public health plan. Give the for-profit health care providers some actual competition. Let's allow Medicare and other public health plans to negotiate drug prices with pharmaceutical companies, using their market share to negotiate better prices. Let's make the increased child tax credit and earned income credit permanent to help eliminate child poverty in this country permanently. Let's make it easier for workers, all workers, to organize into unions or trade associations or whatever so that they can get a seat at the table to advocate for better, safer working conditions and better wages. And let's do something about the minimum wage. Nobody in this country can live on $7.25 an hour if they work a 40-hour week. And there are areas in this country where even $15 an hour is nowhere near enough. Maybe we can index the minimum wage to the local cost of living so that everyone can live comfortably working a 40-hour week without killing local businesses, whether they live in San Francisco, rural Alabama, or Puerto Rico. I shudder to think the size of the bureaucracy that that would cause, but I also would love to see poverty go away in this country. So let's take on all poverty and homelessness in this country. It's supposed to be the richest country in the world. Surely we can find a way to make sure that everyone has sufficient income to feed, clothe, and house themselves. Let's reinvigorate the Voting Rights Act of 1965 with new legislation, such as H.R. 1, which has already been passed in the House, so that everyone who's eligible to vote will be able to vote. The Republican Party is currently on a campaign to pass over 150 voter suppression bills in state legislatures on the fully debunked theory that there was massive voter fraud in the Democrats' favor in the 2020 presidential election. In truth, the steal was stopped. The last president tried to steal this election. He attempted a coup, and he failed. Republicans know that big turnouts tend to favor Democrats. The rational thing would be to look at their platform and figure out how to attract more voters. But I think it's become pretty obvious that as a party, Republicans are no longer rational. Look at their continued support, many of them, for our last president. For example, not a single Republican voted for the American Rescue Plan, which is supported by about 75% of all voters, according to some of the polls I've seen, and over half Republican voters. It apparently hasn't occurred to them that the reason Republicans are losing elections is that they're not doing what their constituents want them to do. So, Let's invite Republicans along on this journey towards equality in nutrition, housing, education, employment, and health care. But if they're not willing to participate, let's kill the filibuster and drag them, as I said, kicking and screaming into what will inevitably, I think, become a better future for everyone. Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Libertarians, Pastafarians, whatever. Once everyone's life improves, I suspect that a lot of the polarization in this country will go away.
Even the very rich should get richer because people will have money to spend on all the crap they want to sell us. This is why Democrats have to start winning, in my humble opinion. Well, well, I, I, I. Quote of the week. Too much of American politics is decided by efforts to restrict who votes or, as in gerrymandering, to manipulate the weight those votes hold. A more democratic system won't end polarization, but it will create a healthier form of competition. That's from the book Why We're Polarized by Ezra Klein. And now for something completely different. Hey, it's not a dad bod, it's a father figure. Alright, that's the last marquee from the El Arroyo restaurant, a Tex-Mex restaurant in Austin, Texas, that I got from the AARP newsletter. So we won't be doing any more of those, but I received a new AARP newsletter the other day, so all is not lost. If you have feedback, especially if you have better jokes for me, send me an email at seniorgeek49 at gmail.com. Just a note, the music in this episode, at least when I'm first recording it, is excerpts from the song Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who from their album Who's Next. There's an Amazon link to the album in the show notes if you want to buy it. From what I've read about fair use, I believe this qualifies. I guess we'll see. It's just that that song seems so apt to what's going on in the United States right now that I couldn't imagine using anything else. If I get a cease and desist letter, I'll strip the music out and republish this episode, and then do an episode on my fair use experience. So it's a win-win for me. In any case, I plan to use more music in future episodes from sources of royalty-free music, so I'm not risking a cease and desist letter or a lawsuit. My Patreon page is at patreon.com slash seniorgeek. If you can, please pledge at least $2 a month. Once again, thanks to Sam Coulter and Greg Balin for their continued support. I think they're both still supporting me. I haven't checked. Want me to give you a shout-out? Then pledge. If you don't want to mess with setting up a Patreon account, you can send me a buck or two on Venmo. My Venmo ID is seniorgeek49. If you have an Apple device, open the podcast app, search for Diary of a Senior Geek, and rate it however many stars you think it deserves. Five stars would be ideal. And you have no idea how much that helps get the word out on this podcast. Please send me feedback, as I've said, at seniorgeek49 at gmail.com. I have yet to receive an email from a listener, but I don't have that many listeners. But if somebody sends me an email, you have no idea how tickled I will be. That's it for this week. Uh, that's great. Listen, you're a real hoot. Wear a mask and keep your distance while you're out in public. Still, we're not done yet. Black lives still matter. Be the bigger person. Listen more than you talk. Occasionally consider that you might be wrong. I do that all the time. And remember, you are going to be okay. This is Gary Fisher for Diary of a Senior Geek. Peace.
think you're the most beautiful woman in the whole world. Do you really? No, but I don't mind lying if it'll get me somewhere. 